0: It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Let's check in with Brett the Vet of Veterinary Associates to hear more about some of his adventures with our four-legged friends. Here's Roy Hatfield. It is time for ask brett the vet where we check in with our good friend dr brett ellis of veterinary associates and their xenia location one mile north of the city limits on 68. dr ellis joining us on this thursday morning doc what's happening
1: hey it's a beautiful day here in green county and uh enjoying it and uh you know uh, we've had another great week and um yesterday was a really fun day for me i had uh, started my day by doing uh, chiropractic on uh, on uh, three Percherons. Those are kind of like those are draft horses. They're, you know, one of them is his shoulders are a good two feet above my head. So to do chiropractic on that horse, it's it's a, it's a bit of a a, a workout uh, to say the least. Um, and uh, but these, these guys do great and keeps them getting up because they're so big. What happens with these horses? They get arthritis in a hock, or they're arthritis in their low back, and you know, it takes a lot of effort to throw. You know, well, I think they will when we have one at high state, twenty two hundred pounds, twenty two hundred fifty pounds. Is this is uh, the weight. I mean, that's huge. And uh, so, it, doing the adjustments really helps. And uh, and we also give them uh, uh, a supplement called Adequan. So we give that as an intramuscular injection every month. And uh, since we've been doing that, we've had really good success. And so get. The, do that every month or so. And, uh, that was how I started my day. And then I went over to, uh, uh a farm, uh, near between Beaver Creek and Fairborn over behind the mall. You would never think there was a horse farm back there, Mm-mm. but it's really cool. Um, and they had, uh, three Arabs. Uh, one was a four-year-old stud. So he was a big boy. Uh, and then the other two were just over a year and, uh, um, one thing I forgot about Arabs is they can take a little bit more anesthesia than, let's say, a standard bread or a thoroughbred or a quarter horse. Um, they tend to eat it up, like donkeys. Uh, you know, if you're if you're doing a anesthetizing a miniature donkey, you're going to give that guy almost the same amount that you give a thousand pound horse because they're just they metabolize it faster. Well, Arabs are somewhere in between there, and I didn't remember that until we're. Removing the last testicle on the first little horse and, and he starts to pop up. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait. So we were able to re, uh, sedate and get him down and, uh, or he never got up, but, you know, calm him down and everything. So when we do castrations in the field, you know, it's uh, you anesthetize the horse. We give, uh, sedation and then we induce him with, a with an anesthetic, um, uh, ketamine and diazepam. And then the nice thing about that is, is they don't remember anything. I don't know if you've ever had surgery and and you wake up and you're like, "What happened? You know, they tell you to count to 10 and then you're what you wake up, you know, in the, in the recovery room. And uh, so that's part of the beauty of the the drugs that get used is they, uh, they take it away from your brain. It's it's called an associative agent. So that's the, uh, the nice part is they don't remember. Now we're also using an anti-inflammatory IV uh, after induction. And then we do uh, local lidocaine blocks in each testicle and then the scrotum. So, you are you know, you're covering all your bases. You're, you're, you're hitting them with uh, four different modes of pain control and, and sedation and uh, anesthesia. So, um, you're covering your bases, but sometimes they'll still wake up, you know, and, and you're doing it outside in a corral and you keep their eye covered with a towel and, Things like that, but there's still a lot of stimuli. You know, it's not like you're in a surgery room with you know everything's controlled environment. So this is part of the joy, and I say that in quotation marks of field surgery, uh, is not really knowing how things are always going to go. But um, uh, had good help, so the second one, no problem, So I upped his anesthetic, uh, and then we went for the big boy, Raven, um, and he, he uh, got you know more than a big horse, and was doing good got the last testicle out everything's okay he's starting to switch his tail and so the other thing with horse castration is we don't close them we don't suture them like we do with your dogs and cats where we you know bring the skin together and make it look all pretty um for horses because of their susceptibility to tetanus and just the way they heal we basically remove the bottom of the scrotum so that they will drain so you just want the blood the fluid to drain now you shouldn't have a lot of bleeding, you know, but there'll be some drips of blood after you're done. Um, so that's, that's why we do that. Well, you got to cut, cut that off. We got the last testicle out just in time. And, uh, uh, he started to get up the owner. Uh, he's, uh, uh, from Pennsylvania. His his dad and grandpa had dairy farms. So the guy has been around, he knows how to work around livestock. And, uh, he was, he was holding the leg for me, uh, the back leg. And, uh, horse started to get up and he did an excellent move. He just put his whole body on top of the horse. And I was like, do you want me to resedate him? He said, Nope, just do it. And we got the, we got the scrotum cut and everything came out. Okay. He popped right up and recovered and minimal bleeding. And, you know, again, they don't uh, re- even remember what happened. So it's a, it's a nice thing. Hopefully I can go back there for the recheck and, uh, he, he won't remember that it was me. We'll, we'll see how, how that goes, But, uh, uh still a nice day. And, uh, um uh, finished it going back and doing a couple more uh, horse vaccines uh, uh, back in the Jamestown area. So a uh, lot, of, lot of driving yesterday, but it was a good day to be out on the road and uh, work with good people. So that's always, you know, sometimes you work for people, work with people that you're not always happy about. But boy, did I have a good day yesterday.
0: The sun was shining. You were in the Green County countryside and uh, mm-hmm. taking care of those horses. Now, uh, for those uh, like myself who aren't uh, familiar too much with horses, uh, I mean, when you hear about castration, I, I assume it's uh, to, uh, obviously, it's to to keep from procreating. But, uh, you, you know, is, is that a real issue if you're in fenced-in property or, or are these things? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, studs can, you know, they can destroy a, a fence. They can destroy a farm. They can be a hazard to the people on the farm. Now, not all, but they they can, and you don't know which ones are going to do which. And so having multiple studs on a farm can, you know, that like Kentucky where that's what they do, and it's a horse farm. I mean, you know, that people have done this for years, decades, millennia. You know, they know how to handle those guys, but you have to have a different kind of farm, you know, the breeding farms where they <clears throat> bring the mares in and stuff like that it takes a uh, a lot more management let's say that so uh we do it for that safety reason and you know there are there are it's not as easy to castrate a mare or to uh neuter a mare uh you, you know that's a that's a surgery you would do at a high state um or another referral center to uh lay a, a female open and and take her ovaries out so we don't really do that in the field so that's probably the other reason the boys get get picked on because then you'll just have an overpopulation. They will, they'll breed. You know, even, you know, they'll breed their mother if if they're left together too long. So you've got to do the weaning and, and all those things. And and this becomes eventually trying to keep studs separate, but together, but apart from the mares and apart from each other because you don't know which ones are going to get along. Uh, that's the uh, that's the big reason for it.
0: All right, so uh, we've got that uh, going for us, and uh, I know you mentioned before we came on the air uh, talking about our uh, four-legged friends uh, that have a little more fur on them and uh, Parvo.
1: Yeah, Parvo, the uh, infectious virus that uh, causes vomiting, diarrhea, uh, bloody diarrhea, bloody vomiting. It's a terrible enteric virus. Um, Just make sure you're getting your puppies vaccinated because there's a Parvo-type bee strain going around. Um, that's included in the vaccine, but it is more more contagious and and uh, more severe clinical signs present. The re- recovery response isn't as good as it is with the type A. So, um, uh, it's it's included in the vaccine, but uh, sometimes vaccines get overlooked. Or getting that booster, you know, the the dog should have uh, two distemper parvo uh, vaccines. Uh, to six weeks apart until they are at least 16 weeks of age so you want to get that last booster after they're four months old um, or otherwise they, they may not have a, a robust immune response that you would need to to keep the parvo at bay the vaccines are very good very safe now when they get a little bit older we do that vaccine every three years um just because there's no evidence that it doesn't last that long um so there's plenty of support to say that you only after they're properly vaccinated and boosted at you know a year of age, then we just start doing it every three years. So uh, it's nothing that they have to get every year for the rest of their life, but uh, their lives can be uh, a whole lot longer if you uh, uh, get them vaccinated earlier.
0: Dr. Brett Ellis speaking some truth here on Real Roots Radio, and ask Brett the vet. We come your way every Thursday at nine thirty. Uh, Doc, any big plans for the weekend? Uh, anything going on?
1: Well, uh, Dr. Clark is taking our puppy Marshall down to Alabama for a uh, um, a race. Uh, this is like a military dog style thing where they you know they go through uh, obstacles. They jump down a six foot. Uh, off a thing into the water, and they're climbing underneath. You know, it's like a Navy steel kind of crazy uh, uh, <laughs> uh, obstacle course. But she loves it. She's taken. She's gone uh, five times, I think, to do this thing. And uh, so uh, I get to take care of everything else, which is the greatest thing for me because going to Alabama uh, to to run in the mud doesn't sound like a good idea. Usually, when she goes down there, it's in the eighties and nineties. This year it's only going to be in the seventies, but uh, uh, I'm happy to stay here for that. One. Yeah, I was going to say I'll, that, I'll let them have that.
0: That doesn't sound real appealing to me. So uh, you know, big old hard, hard pass on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the the pictures with her smiles coming out of these water uh, mud pit things with the dogs, the dogs are just loving it. So it's it's, it's kind of a rite of passage for for Deanna's puppies, and, and uh, so Marshall gets the call this weekend. It, He's really looking forward to it.
0: As we always say, better him than you.
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. He's taken on for the team.
0: There well, you go. Good. And happy to do so, which is why <laughs> yes. we love dogs. Yeah, that's right. that's uh, right. All right, brother. Will you enjoy your weekend at home and we'll right. chat next Thursday?
1: Thank you guys very much. Take care. All right. See you. Digging deep to deliver the best in real country music,
0: this is Real Roots Radio.